0: The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. The past few years have been challenging, as they have been for many churches and many, many organizations. We've walked through what I call COVID controversies. We've felt the effect of political polarization in the country. And we live in the least affordable city in the country for housing. Right? Congratulations. Congratulations. And those factors have impacted us in ways, especially the cost of living. Any uncertainties for us as a church that just kind of weighing on your heart? I'm not minimizing any of those things. But each of those uncertainties provides us with an opportunity. An opportunity to behold our God and trust him in the midst of that uncertainty an opportunity to behold what he is really like and find refuge in him in the midst of that uncertainty an opportunity an opportunity to see that our god is far greater than our uncertainties that's the takeaway point this morning if i could put it this way to realize that your god is far greater than all of the uncertainties in your life. It's really putting this greater than sign into the equation of your heart. You know, that little arrow thing. To see that your God is greater than your current uncertainty and your God is greater than any future uncertainties you might face. That's what we want to do this morning through this inspired poetry To realize that our God is far greater than our uncertainties. We see that here in Psalm 16 in three ways. Three Three ways that our God is greater than. Here's the first. God's greater goodness. First, we encounter here God's greater goodness. Look at verse one, please. Verse one says, preserve me or guard me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Now, we don't know why David is needing to have God preserve him or guard him. It would seem some uncertainty is haunting him. Some kind of uncertainty is plaguing him. But he says, in you, God, I take refuge. In you, I find shelter. In you, I find strength. Why? Well, verse two. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Do you see how, how sweeping that statement is in verse 2? Do you see that? Yahweh, God of Israel, you are my Lord, my master. I have no good in my life, no good apart from You, any good I have, is flowing ultimately from you, the fountain of all goodness. Think about that. Any good you have in your life, or any good you will have in your life, is from his overflowing goodness. That's why you can take refuge in him. And then the inspired psalmist seems to highlight a a particular expression of God's goodness in verse 3. Notice verse 3 with me, please. As for the saints in the land, God's holy ones, his set-apart people, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. He says, your people, God, they are all my delight. And I just want to insert here on behalf of all your elders, on behalf of the pastors here, you are all our delight, Grace Church. You, the excellent ones before me, you are all our delight. So we can relate very much to David, the inspired psalmist here. But realize he says this right after saying, right after saying, I have no good apart from you. I think. The implication is God's people are part of his goodness to us. God's people are one expression of his goodness in our lives. And don't we need that reminder? Grace Church is like any other local church. Sometimes we sin against each other. Sometimes Sometimes we don't feel that great delight that is spoken of here. And yet we find a helpful reminder. The people you're joined with here are part of God's goodness to you. They are the excellent ones, the majestic ones in whom we are to delight. And I think we see that all the more in light of what he says in verse 4. By contrast, in verse 4, by contrast, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood. I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. So in contrast with God's set-apart people, another path is laid before us, a path of sorrow upon sorrow for those who turn away from the living God. So catch the flow here. Catch the flow, friends. I'm taking refuge in you, the God from all whom all good things flow, including your people, so I will not go that other pathway. Isn't one, at least application, that God's people help us find refuge in the God of all goodness? Isn't that one application? I know the past few years have been challenging and I found myself last fall struggling with some of those challenges. Not with people, just I think more with being middle-aged and not having things go quite as I expected. Can you relate to that at all? You have a certain expectation perhaps of ease. <laughs> and God says, no, I'm not going to have you chase that God in your heart out. But I didn't, realize, I didn't realize how much I was struggling. I shared some of the things with my dear wife, and she cared for me as she does. But what I didn't do, what I regret not doing, is more quickly share those struggles with the excellent ones I'm closest to right here. I mean, eventually I did. But I wish, in hindsight, I had been quicker, quicker to say, help me find refuge in God and his goodness. How about you? How about you, friends? How are you responding to that uncertainty you're thinking about? Who of the the excellent ones before you, who here is, is current with what is weighing on your soul? Who are you involving to walk with you And help you find refuge in the God of all goodness. You can enlist the help of others to put this greater than sign into your own equation. To see all you have is an expression of his goodness, including his people. And allow them to help you find refuge in him. See God's goodness God's goodness is greater than your uncertainties and that leads secondly to God's greater provision we see first God's greater goodness and then secondly secondly God's greater provision God's greater provision look at verse 5 with me now verse 5 the lord is my chosen portion and my cup, saying God is sort of my food and my drink, my provision and my sustenance. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You you hold my lot. My, My lot is secure because you are my chosen portion. And perhaps this language of chosen portion has the provision of Israel's priests in view. When Israel came into the promised land of Canaan, the priest didn't get a portion of the land with the other tribes, no acreage per se. The portion they were assigned was God himself. And that seems to be what David has in mind. God himself is my ultimate inheritance, my ultimate provision. He is my portion and my cup. Don't we see something of what that means for us in Luke chapter 11 with Mary and her sister Martha? You might know the scene where Martha is scurrying around, frantically serving, frantically trying to accommodate this gang of hungry disciples who've just showed up at the door, and to her dismay, she sees her sister Mary just sitting at Jesus' feet, soaking in his words. Now, She had to be thinking, doesn't Mary know all the work that has to get done? Why does Mary just sit there and let me do all of the work? Teens or kids, can you relate to this? When you're doing your chores and you see your sibling, and they're not doing their chores right, and they're not doing them at all. You're like, what gives? This is not fair. That's how Martha was feeling. So, may not have been street smart, but she says to Jesus, talk to her. Rebuke her for me. And she heard what she wasn't expecting. Jesus responds, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. One thing is most needed. Mary has chosen the good portion. Mary has chosen the good portion. Isn't that Psalm 16 in action? You are my chosen portion and my cup. It's when Jesus, his presence, his words, Jesus himself are the one thing we most need, the provision we must have. Doesn't that produce, friends, a certain contentment of soul? The kind of contentment a A small child feels when their mother or father is near. You ever notice that? With mom or dad near, that small child is not concerned about where their next meal might come from. That child is not anxious about whether mom or dad are aware of their nutritional needs. They don't fret over legitimate needs being met. Why? Because they know mom or dad are near, they have their primary need met. And with that childlike contentment in God, friends, we can say these profound words of verse six. The lines, the the boundary lines, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Boundary lines and an inheritance, they echo again Israel coming into the promised land of Canaan and the imagery is to say, Lord, where you draw the boundaries in my life, I will be content because you are my ultimate provision. I thought about Amy Carmichael. She was a missionary to India in the late 19th century, early 20th century. She was heavily involved in rescuing temple girls, which is tragically they were basically child prostitutes. But the last 15 years or so of her life, she was essentially an invalid. She had gotten injured in a fall and spent years of her life basically bedridden. She prayed for healing, didn't come. Others prayed for healing, didn't come. The lines just weren't drawn for her that way. After years like that, she wrote the following prayer in a private note. Quote Not relief from pain, not relief from the weariness that follows, not anything of that sort at all is my chief need. You, O oh Lord, my God, are my Need. You hear her putting that greater sign in place of God's provision? Not relief from pain, as desirable as that is. Not relief from the weariness, as understandable as that is. Not anything of that sort at all is my chief need, my my primary need. You, O Lord, are my Need. I want to think that way in my life. Don't you? To believe that the Lord is your chosen portion. And that provision is greater than any other in your life. And so we can say, Lord, the lines, I'm okay with them. The lines you've drawn, I'm going to rest in them. I'm going to be content by your grace because I have you. I want to think that way. For our life as a church together, I think we must believe this as well and say, God, you've drawn the boundary lines and you know what you're doing. You're wise. We will be content because you are enough for me. You are greater, your provision of yourself. You are my chosen portion and my cup. I encourage you perhaps this week to meditate and pray from that verse. It'll help you be content saying the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a beautiful inheritance in Christ. Friends, God's provision is greater than your uncertainties as well. And that leads us thirdly to what I would call God's greater deliverance. Thirdly, God's greater deliverance is greater deliverance. In verse seven, David is moved to praise. And then in verse eight, we see the results. Notice verse eight. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. I am fixing my gaze on you, God, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And being at at my right hand means someone who stands by your side, like in a courtroom to defend you, or in a battlefield to assist you. But here it's the God of the universe defending you and assisting you. And so David says, I will not be shaken. And we we need not be shaken. Are you feeling shaken for some reason? Set the Lord before you. Make that... Make that your goal for your devotional times or quiet times, whatever you call them, to have the Lord set before you. Here's a practical idea. Let me just throw out a practical idea for setting the Lord before you. Study the nature of God. Study the character of God. I've had the privilege of auditing a class on Trinitarian theology, And it's been rich for my soul to listen to lectures and read books about how our God is three persons in one essence. Three co-equal, co-eternal persons, eternally existing in one divine essence. Don't try that at home. He always has been and always will be three co-eternal, Co-equal persons in one divine essence. I can apprehend that. I can articulate that. I cannot comprehend that. And neither can you. And that's good. Because it humbles us before God's greatness. And draws us to worship. So set the Lord before you. As David does that here, it leads him to God's greater deliverance. Verse 9, he says, verse 9, therefore, in light of what I just said, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Now, why secure, David? Why are you so confident? Verse 10, for, notice, Here's the reason, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One seek corruption. Now, Sheol, basically the place of the dead in most places in the Old Testament. So David seems to be saying, death will not get the last word in my life. He had that assurance, but there is a divine author standing behind that human author. And that divine author knew where all this was going. He knew that David's greater son would be on the scene, Jesus Christ, who would live a perfect life and then give his life as a ransom, a payment for our sins, and then rise from the dead, showing emphatically that his payment was sufficient. And then he ascended back to heaven and on a day called Pentecost, poured out his spirit upon his people. And on that day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter stands up and preaches a sermon. And in that sermon, he quotes these verses before you in Psalm 16. Peter, preaching in Acts chapter 2, says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him, Jesus, to be held by it. For David says concerning him. David says concerning Jesus. And then Peter quotes these verses before you in Psalm 16. In other words, the inspired interpreter Peter sees these words as pointing to Jesus and his victory over the grave. Friends, that means we can be more certain than David ever was. We face many uncertainties in this life. From our vantage point, we know so little and we control so little. But here's what is not uncertain. Because Christ is raised. Because the tomb is empty. You can be certain. You can be sure. You can be absolutely positive, that for the believer, death will not be a doorway to judgment, but the doorway to life eternal. That greater deliverance in Christ is like a bedrock foundation upon which to build your daily life, a certainty upon which you can establish everything else. I I told this story once before, years ago, but Hopefully you don't remember. Years ago when my sons were much younger, I took them to Boomers, the kind of amusement park place over in El Cajon. And again, they were much younger. One son took, we went to the climbing wall and the climbing wall is labeled various difficulties. One son took the easier part of the wall. One son took the medium difficulty part. That left for moi the, quote, expert difficulty part of the climbing wall. Well, I am not a climber, and I don't prefer heights. So this is not good, but, you know, I'm going to try. I get maybe 10 feet off the ground, and I can't grip these tiny handles anymore and I can't get my feet in the tiny little footholds and now I'm starting to fall. I'm losing my grip. I'm a middle-aged man. I'm 10 feet off the ground. I'm losing my grip. I'm starting to fall. But I have this pleasant experience of being caught and gently lowered to the ground. You see, I was wearing a harness attached to a belay machine and that harness and that belay machine We're not gonna let me fall. That's what life in Christ is like for you. Walking through many uncertainties, daily uncertainties, sometimes hard uncertainties, sometimes, sometimes grieving uncertainties that get you down and you don't wanna get out of bed. But you're wearing this harness this resurrection harness. And so you can put this greater sign of God's deliverance into that equation. You can say, because Christ is raised, I have uncertainty, sorry, I have certainty rather, I have certainty that trumps this uncertainty because in my final trial, my most difficult trial, death, I will be tenderly caught and gently carried into life. This is God's greater deliverance in Jesus, which produces for us joy in verse 11. Lastly, notice verse 11. I love verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Not a little bit of joy. Fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now we're pointed forward to the ultimate promised land. Pleasures forevermore in God's immediate presence. There is, yes, uncertainty now, anxiety now at times, fear sometimes as well. But you have a deliverance A deliverance to come, which you are certain of today, which can produce that joy for you now and forever. Friends, consider memorizing and meditating on verse 11. Maybe you're here and you don't yet know this great deliverance in Jesus. He says to you right now, come to me. He says, come to me. That's his invitation to you. All who are weary, all who are weighed down, he gave his life for you. He died for the sins of all who believe. He says to you, come to me. I will give you rest for your soul. So I would urge you to trust even now in his life, death, and resurrection to take away your sins and bring you to God. And he will. But for all of us, Take your uncertainties, friends, and put this greater than sign into the equation. His greater goodness, including in his people. His greater provision, especially of himself, and his greater deliverance in Christ. Realize that your God is far greater than all your uncertainties and trials and difficulties. Let's pray together, and we'll take the Lord's Supper. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for this rich revelation of who you are for us right now. Help us to hope in you, trust in you. To say with Amy Carmichael, you are my chief need. Help us to do so as we celebrate your great deliverance for us through the bread and the cup. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.